Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time. But the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. All right, what's up, Pels fans, and welcome to the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and today is a somber day for some, a relief for some others. But regardless of which side of the fence you reside, it alters the very fabric of New Orleans Pelicans basketball. MVP and Defensive Player of the Year finalist Anthony Davis has requested to be traded, according to Adrian Wojnarowski and his agent, Rich Paul of Clutch Sports. Alvin Gentry, of course, confirmed that uh, during shoot-around today. He has not specified a location, only that he wants to be a part of a winning culture, something he has echoed in interviews over the past year and a half. And, of course, we've got reports uh, just raining in from Chris Haynes saying that... Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Austin might not be his desired location after all, which would change things uh, monumentally. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. If Kyrie Irving does, in fact, not re-sign there, how would that change what proposal they give for Anthony Davis? Today, we're joined by Editor-in-Chief Ali Cosell, David Fisher. David Grupp's going to join us a bit later. And, of course, Kevin Berrios. We've got somewhere around 55 questions. I'm going to start with our most pertinent. Ali, the Pelicans' two most important players in franchise history each requested trades in the final years of their contracts well into their prime. Why is history repeating itself? <laughs> Simple reason. The uh, Everybody failed. I'm, I was just going to start naming names, but let's just – Say it the way it is. Everybody has failed. Preston, they've had more than enough opportunity to surround Anthony Davis, to turn this team into at least a semblance of some kind of a winner where you're making at least playoff appearances in consecutive seasons. And we're definitely not headed for anything close to that. So, like I said, you can blame injuries all you want. Alvin was doing it again today. And certainly that's been a part of it. But like I said, this team, the fit, the roster – and uh, the coaching staff, it just has never really truly come together. And so you've got to think, last year what we saw in those 30 games was certainly looking more and more like it, a fluke. 
Yeah, for sure. Let's go over to Kevin next. Uh, Kevin, as a local basketball fan, you have season tickets, you and um, your friend Travis. You guys go to all these games. You've been a Pelicans fan for uh, a good portion of your adult life ever since they moved there. And I want to say in 2002, uh, around that summer. And the Pelicans just haven't been able to string along a winner. They haven't been able to retain their superstars. Is this disappointing for a lifelong Pelicans fan? And do you have any faith that they'll ever be able to turn this around? Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing because you had, you know, two surefire Hall of Famers that were, um, you know, the, be- the best at their position at the time in their primes. And uh, you had to move on from them because you couldn't sustain uh, a winning culture or, or an identity um, over their course of their careers. Now, I think, I think the Chris Paul era, you know, we had weird ownership issues, weird front office stuff that, you know, I think affected that more than anything else. Um, now we're in a different era where the media is sort of driving star players to bigger markets and trying to force people out of, uh, you know, smaller market teams. And there's just like this culture of everybody wants to pair stars together. And I think that outside influence at this moment even though everybody complains about it, that's all they do is talk about it. And it just sort of talk, speaks it into existence somehow. So while I think surely the Pelicans didn't do enough to build a, uh, an identity and a consistent winner around Anthony Davis, I think also just the, the current basketball culture and environment that we're in right now also has a lot to do with um, his desire to leave um, or, you know, the notion of leaving. Um, it is frustrating, but I'm a huge basketball fan, so I'm here for whatever long haul rebuild or, you know, if we can stay competitive on the fly kind of thing. I'm in for all of those scenarios. Um, I think as a market, obviously we're a small market, which is something we talk about all the time. I think we're a market that's very football driven um, and basketball hasn't been so accepted yet. So I think it's a hard uh, place to do a complete tear down and rebuild. I think you have to find some sort of balance. Uh, I think, you know, too, too much of the time in every aspect of life where everything is the worst or everything is the best, there's everything is to the extreme. There's no uh, appreciation of the middle ground. And I think that's the kind of team that we need to focus on because it's almost impossible for a small market team to build a championship contender with the, in this current environment. But if you can provide an entertaining team, a team that wins enough, you know, you look at like grit and grind Grizzlies, you look at Portland for the last 20 years, uh, teams like that where, you know, they're relevant and they stay relevant. And it, and if you're constantly winning, even if you're not challenging for a championship, people are going to pay attention and are going to watch. And I think that's the kind of team we need to focus on building first before we decide to try to blow everything up and go all in on a championship. Cause I just don't see a realistic route to that because once you start acquiring stars, they're going to also want to leave for other places again, because of just the nature of the business. Yeah. It's been tough to indicate that any Pelican or future Pelican uh, therein would want to stay in new Orleans. Everyone has seen Chris Paul leave. Everyone has seen Anthony Davis leave and guys across the association have to be looking at that. Uh, I'm going to turn over to David Fisher. Now, David, when do you think Anthony Davis came to his own conclusion that this was the end of his tenure in new Orleans? Anthony Davis himself, I think I think it's fair to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that it was probably in the last couple of weeks. Um, I, I mean, he was he was giving the team 
everything, you know, that he felt that he had up to this point. And even I think through, through Rich Paul, he's pretty much said um, it, it's come to the end of the rope now where it doesn't look like we're going to get the team back on track for this year. He probably should have come to that conclusion sooner. He's probably heard from his contemporaries that he should request a trade long ago. I wouldn't be surprised if multiple people within his circle have advised him to go for a trade years ago. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that was the case. Um, but giving him the benefit of the doubt on this, I think he truly was all in up until up until the last couple of weeks where he looks around at the league and where the Pelicans stand and understands, you know, that the playoffs this year are pretty much done and the team doesn't have the requisite assets, players. They just don't have enough NBA players that are cheap enough that they can fill out the rest of the roster when Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday are paid as much as they are. It's, and so he saw that the writing was on the wall. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Rich Paul was probably a big part in him finally, you know, making the trade demand because that's just not his style. That's so, and in a way he's doing, he's doing the franchise a favor by letting everybody know that this is, this is the situation now. So. They've given them a lot of time, uh, 11 days until the trade deadline on February 7th. Now the difficulty becomes, do you allow Dell Demps to have ownership over that decision, Ollie? Yeah, that, that's the question I've been getting on the radio shows. And look, I think they're in between a rock and a hard place. I don't think they should give Dell Demps any more uh, leeway, decision-making powers, whatever you want to call it, simply because it is time to move on. But here's the thing. We're about, what, nine, ten days away from the trade deadline. This, this Pelicans team, uh, uh, franchise needs more than just upgrading the uh, general manager spot. I think they need to completely reevaluate every level and including add another president or two, some guy, a few people above the general manager's role, but that sit below Mickey Loomis. Because right now they're in a catch-22. If you get rid of Dell Demps, who's going to make those decisions? You know, you can't bring a general manager on a fly and he brings in his whole new team and they get set up and boom. Then the trade deadline's passed by the time everybody's comfortable. Of course, if you get rid of them, then you can't also expect Mickey Loomis to suddenly make any kind of basketball decisions. He's always stayed away. He's always been an arm length, let's face it, maybe a mile away on making any kind of decisions. He's always deferred to Dell Demps, and that's the problem. You want to change all this, and you can't do that in eight, nine, ten days. So how I would do it if I'm the, if I'm the Pelicans, I go to Dell Demps. I say, look, we both know what's going to happen is going to happen, but until that time comes, we need you to carry out our vision, and that is basically we've got to move on from Anthony Davis, kind of what – Minnesota Timberwolves asked of Tom Thibodeau, you know, and he really didn't play or he played hardball with him. If they can get Dell Demps to not be as difficult as Tibbs and basically just agree to, hey, let's get as much value as we can for the guys that have value, uh, then, then you keep them. And I feel like they really got no other choice but to go that, down that road and then like, let him go uh, once the season's over. Alvin Gentry said today that the 
the goal is still to win basketball games. And in order to win basketball games, they're going to have to play guys like Julius Randle, Nikola Miritich, Alfred Payton, in addition to Anthony Davis when he's available alongside Drew Holiday. However, if you do want to sell some of these pieces, no telling of what you could get at this point. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Then you do have to offload those guys and you have to do it sooner rather than later. However, some of the words Alvin Gentry said directly contradict that. They still want to win games. They still want to play the guys that they have. And uh, I've got something up on Twitter. The Pelicans starting five from opening night has only played 71 of 2,400 possible minutes. So if you do have that lineup back out there, if these guys ever do become healthy, who knows? Maybe the Pelicans can go on some sort of run, however unlikely that might be at this point. So, Kevin, my question to you is, with Dell Dems uh, conceivably maybe having no power at this point and not having an acting general manager who can offload these players, what do you do? Do you play to win at this point? Do you just rest guys and tank? What is your goal if you're the general manager? I mean, you have to expect that that's what Elvin, Elvin Gentry is going to say. I mean, he doesn't want to have a losing record. He's a prideful guy. He wants to have show that he's a good coach and that he can coach players and that they had something here that was good and it just didn't work out for whatever reason. I mean, that's the expected response from him. That's not what you want to happen at this moment in the franchise because you want to start selling what you can. Um, I think I would be very hesitant to sell Drew Holiday at the moment, although he's, you know, the next highest piece of value. Um, I would definitely explore trading Julius Randle um, if you could get anything back that doesn't take back long-term salary, or if it is long-term salary, it's a young prospect, um, you know, try to get some picks, second round picks, whatever you can get for him. Uh, you know, so you don't just lose him when he walks out the door. Cause he is a piece that could go to a contender where he could come in for a few minutes here and there off the bench and give them a spark. They could run the offense mm-hmm. through him, whatever he has value. Um, Miritich, I would also think about first, um, it's, it's, I would try to wait till the off season because you could have a sign and trade for him if you decide to trade him. But I think the main thing I, I think this team needs to do is hire a president of basketball operations and then just ride it out. Let him evaluate the coaching staff, the GM, obviously I was a supporter of Dell Demps. I still think he's, uh, you know, he's done a lot of good things. He's definitely had pock marks on his record. Um, but I don't think he should be allowed to trade Anthony Davis because, you know, you don't get to trade Chris Paul and Anthony Davis. That's just not something that somebody should be allowed to do. Um, so, but I think a strong basketball mind needs to be up top and take over this team and do all the evaluations, no retreads. Um, obviously, the best case scenario for this team is to play close, fun games that are losses so that that draft pick that we have becomes more valuable um and then you know if you get other pieces maybe you can trade use our pick and another pick to trade up to get a really high prospect or you know just draft two young guys that are going to be cornerstones for your franchise um those sort of things but you know you don't want to win right now and that's the reality of it it's it's a weird situation but i just hope we have some fun games and uh we lose them yeah, what is your plan of action right now? Obviously, Drew Holiday had a had a comment um, earlier during the shoot-around that Anthony Davis was 90% of the reason he stayed. However, Pelicans fans uh, would be remiss if they really wanted to see him walk out the door. However, you do have this interesting situation where you've got all these players, and it's it's difficult to tell them to come to work every day and to play as if they're going to win games, as if they're still going after a playoff push. What are you telling your team if you're Alvin Gentry right now in the locker room? If I'm Alvin Gentry, I'm just telling him we still have the greatest job in the world. We get paid a ton of money. 
Let's go out and do the best we can. If you're not, you know, you might not necessarily, you might not be here for the rest of the, your term, but um, you're always auditioning for your next job. That's what I would tell them. I mean, and it sucks. It's a crappy message, but uh, let's be honest, what, 10, somewhere between eight and 10 players on the Pelicans team right now are playing for the existence of another NBA contract. Not like the value of it, just to have another one. So they have plenty of motivation to continue to give their best effort. In terms of the rest of the guys who think they're going to continue to be in the NBA and have, you know, the talent to do so, um, I'm not really too terribly concerned about those players not going in and, you know, playing to their best of abilities, either to increase their trade value or uh, their perceived value so that maybe some uh, some con contending team might want them on the team. Some, some team might look and say, hey, we really need a wing guy who can knock down about 40% of his three-point shots as long as we don't ask him to do too much. Hey, here's an Etoile Moore. You want an Etoile Moore for a little bit for the rest of this season and next season? I mean, the, there are players with value, and I think that I don't, I don't think I don't think that the players are going to come in and just loaf is the thing that you need to worry about with this team because too, far too much of the team is hanging on by to the NBA by a thread or are already considered consummate professionals that you don't have to worry about it in the first place. All right, you guys, sorry about the technical difficulties. We are back joined by David Grubb. And David, my question to you is, obviously the Pelicans have failed Anthony Davis in seven years. Anthony Davis has requested to be traded and will be offloaded, if not before the trade deadline, uh, early this offseason, somewhere around July 1st. However, uh, we've circled back from injuries to Alvin Gentry to Dell Demps. But how much of this blame for the lack of success in New Orleans do you place at the feet of Anthony Davis? Well, I'm not going to use the word blame. What I'm going to say is just some people aren't capable of what we think that they are. And Davis is an exceptional talent, but he is not the kind of player from what I've seen. Um, he's not the kind of player who elevates your franchise simply by his presence on the court. He needs uh, um, other things to be successful. And I think that what people believe they were getting was a player who could lift a franchise by himself. And that's, that's a very hard thing to find. There aren't too many of those. Um, and AD's just short of that, which is still great, but it just wasn't what uh, the Pelicans needed him to be. Uh, so, I don't, like I said, I don't want to use the word blame, but I think ultimately he was asked to do something that he himself didn't know he couldn't do and may still not realize that he can't do. Uh, let's go ahead and circle back to Ali. Um, gun to your head, Anthony Davis, before February 7th, do you think he gets dealt? No, no way. No way. I think the plan was always to trade him in the summer. And from what I kind of heard today is things got moved up to where uh, Rich Paul and Clutch Sports felt the need to announce it today. I think they haven't been too happy with the way Anthony Davis's injury has been handled out there in the media, where it's kind of coming off to where it's basically a pain threshold type of deal. They categorize it as a sprain when it's one of those, what was it called? Even I've forgotten the term, the avulsion fracture or something like that, to where it's honestly more severe, where a guy may need surgery, may miss up to four to six weeks. So that kind of, I think, pissed them off a little bit. So I think, honestly, that's why... The uh, Rich Paul and Clutch Sports, you know, struck while the iron was hot. And this was inevitable anyways, but it doesn't make them look bad. 
you have to tell the Pelicans anyways, especially if they're not listening behind the scenes, and you don't want to make your guy look bad, right? Rich Paul's always making his clients look good. So you're putting the honest on the Pelicans. Don't trade that first rounder. You know, he wants a fresh start somewhere else. So, I mean, it, it, it's just time, Preston. So, in other words, even though all this has transpired, you still have to wait until the summer, like I said, because that was the plan. That's when the Pelicans are going to be able to get the assets they're seeking in the deal. Right now, I'm looking and I'm seeing some really awful stuff here on Twitter and what some people think may get a deal done. And you know what? That's what's out there right now. So, the Pelicans have to wait. Anthony Davis, as far as I know, is on board with that. And it's just unfortunate this news came out now, and we're going to have to live with it for the next 30 games. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be over every game we're going to go to. Dave and I are going to sit there and talk to players, trying to talk about the game one. Everybody's just want to talk about, you know, Anthony Davis update. So it's a terrible situation. But again, I expect for him not to be dealt until this summer. Uh, just real quick, Ali, I would say that that was happening already anyway. I mean, this whole year has had the cloud, heavy cloud of Anthony Davis's future hanging over it. So now it's defined. I think it might even be easier uh, for players because it's out there and everybody knows that he's gone. Um, there's no more question. I mean, there's a question of what you're going to get for him, but that doesn't trickle down to the locker room of players and things like that. So I think it might be easier, honestly. That's true. You're right. And that explains why everybody was in such a good mood today, you know, in, in that workout room. The music was blaring. You wouldn't believe how much fun these guys seemingly were having while there's 20 million media guys out there. <laughs> I mean, I would just, uh, if, if I could just say quick, is like, I still think the only issue would be was having Anthony around. Because if he's playing, I'm constantly under the fear that he's going to get hurt. That's, I'm just living with that every game he goes out there as management is my asset could get hurt for nothing. And then the other part you is think I, don't he's I don't want him to you play. But play? I'm saying, I don't think I, he's going to play much if at all. That's what I'm saying. I don't want him to play. But if, if they go by what they said today, that they're going to play, oh, him, I'm okay. just, that, that just that throws me into a whole different place. Hey, Fish, Drew Holiday said that Anthony Davis is 90% of the reason why he decided to re-sign in New Orleans. And whether you uh, agree with the validity of that uh, is to be seen. But Sean Gogger asks, do you think that Drew may be on the block now? Does that depend on who they get back for AD? What do you think is the future for Drew Holiday? As long as this GM and this ownership like still has the same directive, um, Drew's not on the block. That doesn't mean Drew shouldn't be on the block. That means Drew's not on the block. Because I can see... Until, until Dell is given his walking papers that he's going to say, well, I can trade AD for a whole bunch of other pieces, and then I can have a deep team around Drew, and then we can go win 45 games and get the seventh seed in a first-round quick exit. I mean, we, we know how he operates. Like, we have too many years of experience in terms of what his goals are for building a team, and that's what they um, – now, should Drew be on the block? Yes. Drew should actually be the one that's most likely to be moved now in the deadline. Uh, well, him and me and, and Randall. Randall, if you can get anybody. Um, yeah, Drew should be on the block. I don't think he's actually on the block, especially as long as Dell Demps is the general manager. 
All right. Uh, that's going to be a difficult one for Pelicans fans to come to terms with, specifically uh, if that should happen before the trade deadline. But that news hasn't come out yet, and it's hard to believe that that would happen anytime before the summer, specifically because he still has, I think, another three years left on his contract. Let's go ahead and move on to Kevin. This is from The Dominator. He asked, will he be moved by the deadline or will they wait to see who gets the number one pick? We've answered that. Uh, the second part of that question is, will Dell be making this move or will he be out of work by the end of the week? Kevin, do you think Dell Demps gets fired before the trade deadline or do you think the Pelicans are going to hold on to him until the offseason? I don't I don't think he gets fired before the end, before the deadline. I think it, it's just that would be too much of a, a rush to find somebody to start filling in and doing those things. Plus, you don't really want, you know, even if it was an interim guy, you don't want him making the decisions for somebody who you're bringing in later down the line. Um, so like I like I said earlier, I just think right now the focus should be finding a true president of basketball operations and then let him start running the show from there. But I don't think they should be making major moves until the off season when um, you have all of your, uh, all of your suitors available. You have the most leverage other teams that are, are going to have expiring bad contracts coming off their books so they could absorb AD and you don't have to take some of those things back. You know, you have more, um, opportunity to play with and more teams to get involved in in a uh, bid for that's going to be beneficial but you need to make that change at the top and I do expect Dell to be gone don't get me wrong but I don't think they should do it um this year just let him just you know I mean he's just gonna coast throughout this year like pretty much everybody else on the roster and see what happens Grub, obviously the Pelicans need to wait to see who ends up with the Zion Williamson pick because that could be a, a large indicator of where Anthony Davis might go in the future. But aside from that, the conversation has always gone back to Boston uh, because they do have so many assets and first round picks. They have four in this upcoming draft. Uh, there are two questions from Jonathan Vogel and Crescent City Connect. It says, do we wait until summer for Boston to be available or do we honor the request before the deadline? Crescent City Connect, can other teams get into the AD sweepstakes? I like Toronto's assets and I also would like Ben Simmons from Philly if he becomes available. Any thoughts? Grub, here's my question to you. Chris Haynes just had this tweet um, indicating that Boston might not be his desired destination. What kind of offer would it take to prompt the Pelicans to move Anthony Davis in the next 10 days? I mean, I think that the, if, if, they, if they have to make it within the next 10 days and Boston's and he's not on board with Boston, and I'm assuming that Rich Paul has communicated to every one of these teams, which ones that they should, that should not make a, a pitch for AD. Um, I mean, I think New York has a very uh, good potential package. Um, I think, uh, you know, LA gets less attractive as we go forward. So, I mean, I, Portland has, a, has potential. Uh, I know they don't want to do the West, but I'm just looking at teams that could potentially get a deal done before the deadline. Portland could, um, I wouldn't think Toronto would before the deadline because that would be a huge shakeup for them. Um, and that's, that's really the difficulty of this is that a lot of teams just aren't going to bet today. So, I mean, I think that it's limited today. So I think it really comes down to New York, LA or Boston. If you have to do it before the deadline, because Philadelphia is not Ben Simmons isn't coming to New Orleans. So I think you just really, it's those three teams. If you have to do your deal before the deadline. All right, let's continue with the rest of our uh, questions. We've got a lot of them. Bud Lane, what can other teams outside of the Lakers and Celtics offer for AD at the deadline? Uh, and Jake Leonard says, just think about that starting five for the Philadelphia 76ers. Ollie, we're, we're, 
we're at an impasse here in the Pelicans 2018-19 season. On one hand, you've got Alvin Gentry saying the Pelicans should continue to win. On the other hand, the Pelicans have a very narrow window in which to offset all of these players. The Pelicans, and they have a, a neutral general manager right now who probably doesn't have any power. What kind of position are the Pelicans in right now to do anything? They're actually in a good position, Preston, because they're fielding offers from 29 teams. You've also got to think back the last couple of months, what have we talked about a lot? And that's the fact that there's so few sellers out there. So I don't care how you view Julius Randle, Nikola Mirotic, any of the players New Orleans has, there's going to be somebody that's going to want to take a chance on these guys. So I hope, I mean, I really hope that they move some of these guys for future assets. That's where you start. And then, of course, you move forward from here and you just start building towards, you start fielding offers and you basically start putting teams, pitting them against one another in these Anthony Davis sweepstakes. That's why I like for them to wait until the summer. Now, if they get an overwhelming offer before the deadline, of course you jump on it. But, I mean, it's going to have to take something seriously special. And I think, obviously, way more special than, say, what Indiana got for Paul George or even really, you know, what the Spurs got for Kawhi Leonard. You don't want just a nice star. You need so much more than that, I feel like, for Anthony Davis. So, like I said, I think they're actually in a good spot. I mean, I don't care what anybody says about um, – uh, leverage that Pelicans may not have it. They have it until Anthony Davis says, I have only one or two teams that I want to go to. Until then, they can just sit back, relax, and even though a lot of them are maybe going to lose their jobs, you know, go ahead and just take their pick of whatever's uh, in front of them. All right, Kevin. Uh, we've got some questions from our friend Waka Waka Wakanda. He says, I would like to know who we should look at for GM and head coach. He likes Billups and Becky Hammond. From San Antonio, Michael Borky says, short list of potential general manager candidates. I know that you've posted about this on Twitter, Kevin. Who would you like to see the Pelicans hire? Well, like I said, first thing first, I think we need a president. And I would look at uh, Mike Zarin from Boston, Wayne Embry from Toronto, Sachin Gupta from Houston. And I'd even look at Sharif Abdurrahim, who's currently the president of the G League right now as president options. And then from there, GMs, I was looking at, um, you know, Troy Weaver from Oklahoma City. He's a popular guy. Uh, Trajan Langdon from Brooklyn. Brian Pauga from San Antonio. Gerson Rosas from Houston. Ben Tenzer from Denver. Justin Zanuck from Milwaukee or Bill Branch from Portland. Um, as far as coaches go, uh, I really like Jerry Stackhouse. I think that would be a cool pick. Um, I also think if you're going to keep Drew Holiday, um, I like the idea of possibly bringing in Becky Hammond as a, as a coach, because I think he's the right star to usher that in. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, is his relationship with his mom, his relationship with his wife. I think it's the perfect guy to usher in a female coach to the NBA and you have a female owner bringing in a female coach will also keep the spotlight on new Orleans. It'll be something for people to talk about new Orleans basketball. Um, and I think, you know, it could be a good situation for her. Um, other than that, I haven't dug too much into coach, coaches, but I think you have to start at the top with president and then GM, but president is the most important thing right now. Um, so, um, yeah, that's what I got for that. All right, Fish. This one's from our friend Ralph Malbro. He says, is firing Dell and letting Ferry sell off the rosters for assets, then resetting in June with a new GM before trading AD possible or even likely? So just to sum this up, Dell Demps being fired immediately, Danny Ferry taking initial control until the summer, and then the new GM being given full reins in the Anthony Davis trade, while Ferry just being utilized to offload some of those smaller pieces like Randall, Payton, 
and uh, Nico. Do you think there is a possibility of that taking place? I think that's a, that's a reasonable suggestion to make that, you know, we have a guy that's like an informal, formal advisor to the general manager who's done this job before and just tell him this situation is time to break up, break up the team for pieces. Go find us the best, the best deals that you can, because all, all he is really is going to be a, a conduit between these other GMs and ownership slash Mickey Loomis. Because they're not Dell or Ferry or some new GM that they bring in. When it comes to tearing down the team, they're not going to have they're not going to have the power to make those moves without clearing everything with ownership anyway. So all he needs to do is be able to work the phones, get get the offers from these GMs, lay out the things, and say, "Hey, these are the packages of picks and expiring contracts, and maybe." gosh, I hate to use the phrase young vet that the team can get. Um, I prefer a term like guy on a rookie contract who isn't terrible yet. Um, but, you know, Dell Dumps loves those young vets. But, yeah, I mean, Danny Ferry is, is the most available person to do that portion of it. I don't even know if that's something that he would desire to do. Um, hey, just come in and help us sell off the team really quick. Well, the parts of the team but I mean Sam Hinkie's out there he doesn't have a job right now or at least not a job with an NBA team he's really good at selling off teams so I mean you could you could bring him in on a temporary basis and say this is just temporary get us the assets we know you can do that part and then by the time it's time to trade off AD and and handle the draft and things like that hopefully you've identified the general manager that you want to have going forward all right, Grub, this one's for you. Um, this question is from the Dominator again. He says, will the team be blown up completely to tank? Grub, even if the Pelicans don't offload Julius Randle, Nicole Meritich, Alfred Payton, and some others, do you think the Pelicans will simply just rest guys for the remainder of the season and try to get as high a lottery selection as they can? The asshole in me would say they don't have to rest anybody to lose games. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> They could play wow. <laughs> oh, I mean, man. I'm just saying. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Am I lying here? Is, is something going to change where the schedule gets incredibly hard over the last two and then they're going to win the majority of those games? No. So, I mean, I just don't have to play them a bunch of minutes. But, I, look, frankly, I don't care. If, like, <laughs> as a person, sure, I don't want Julius Randle to get hurt. But if he gets hurt playing games, hey, man, so be it. You're leaving at the end of the year anyway. But Nico Miritich, on the other hand, I wouldn't do him that way. But most of these guys, yeah, I mean, they can play. Let them play. I don't care because I don't have a lot of options. I can't legitimately send out Wesley Johnson, Solomon Hill, Czech Diallo, Frank Jackson, and Tim Frazier and call that a basketball team. You know, it's bad enough in the Smoothie King Center as it is, man. If you start rolling that out there, yeah, it'll it'll be me, Ollie, and the rest of the press row and the and the vendors. And me. <laughs> yeah. But here's All the right. thing, you can't do that. Here's another reason why you can't do that. You know what's going on right now? Season ticket renewals. You know, yeah. so they can't cut out the worst possible product and hey, oh, we're gonna lose Anthony Davis. And oh, guess what? You can come to these 30 games and look at maybe this is your future, you know, this kind of suboptimal <laughs> play. That'll turn everybody off in a heartbeat. So no. I agree with David that you can take a chance, but I do think 
that the Pelicans will uh, rest some guys. Etwan Moore's been banged up forever. We've heard Alvin talking about him. Julius Randle's had his issues. And now Nico can't suddenly get right after, you know, that ankle sprain now castrating. So you have to expect that these guys remain on the team, that they are going to get more rest than they normally would. You know what I mean? So I think we can expect that. Ali, let's go ahead uh, and get to our next question. We've got a bunch from Casey Rogers, uh, Amanda Roberson, Iceberg Mail. Uh, they're basically just asking, if the Pelicans pick up the phone right now and they're looking to trade Anthony Davis, who are the first three teams that you call? I don't think that, well, first of all, you, if you're the Pelicans, you don't call anybody. Everybody's going to be <laughs> calling you anyways. But I, I, I understand the question. Um, you go definitely to where you've got a star player you can get in return. And of course, you got to go. To me, it's Philly. Then you go to New York with Przingis. Philly, of course, Simmons. And then, I, honestly, you got to go with Boston, right? Tatum. And then you can also grab a few other of those young, good, good players, plus all those uh, draft picks. So you're going somewhere in the East Coast. You don't even really want to answer the phone for Magic Johnson. Uh, I'm curious who else is going to come in the fray. You know, could we see maybe a Denver Nuggets? Would they try to say maybe, hey, here's a Jamal Murray or? you know, make some kind of package up with Gary Harris and Will Barton. Um, obviously, Dallas is not going to sell Luka. I don't think anybody would have any interest in trying to flip uh, uh, Detroit's Blake Griffin down here. Uh, John Collins probably isn't going to be for sale in Atlanta. So that, those are the players you're trying to look for. Those kind of, you know, like I said, they're, they're stars. You can build around them. And then that also speaks to Drew. If you have any hope or any desire to keep Drew, you've got to kind of go that route as well. But to answer your quick question, Preston, you've got to think East Coast where there's some stars who um, are could be for sale. And that's, like I said, Simmons in Philly, Porzingis in New York, and then, of course, Tatum, who we, he's even joked about himself, right? I'd trade myself for Anthony Davis. There you go. All right. This one's from Britt Benoit. We've also got him from Daniel Harris, Andy Collier, Saints Got Robbed, and Dana Morgan. Uh, just continuing that same line of thought, uh, First of all, they're wondering about the future of Drew Holiday, Kevin. We've already addressed that. But just in terms of Anthony Davis, what what exactly, what kind of a, of a return are you looking for? Ali's looking for a superstar. Are you going for a superstar with some picks? Are you going uh, just exclusively picks and future and giving your new general manager as much as possible to deal with? Are you trying to rebuild on the fly, Kevin? Well, what I'm doing is, first off, I'm, I'm looking for – like as I stated earlier in the first thing that I said, I don't think you can do a complete teardown in New Orleans because the team just won't survive. So I'm looking to get players that can contribute now to some sort of level of success, but also have outs early enough that if, if that build's not working, I could reboot and also still have some young talent and some picks coming in the future um, that will that will help fill out the roster. Basically, I want a roster full of NBA players instead of a roster that's completely top heavy because I think that you're not going to get a huge star here. And even if you would, then you're going to deal with the same situation again, uh, where you could bring in a, in a huge star and have nothing else around him, a bunch of young players or retreads or whatever. And they're going to not be happy here either. Um, so I did a hypothetical thing the other day where it was like, if he demanded a trade at the deadline and you had to do it and you know, that, which means Boston is excluded because you can't trade him unless you're trading him for Kyrie um, this year um, was with the Milwaukee bucks because you could get possibly their 23rd and 20, I mean um, 
Yeah, they're 23 and 25 first round picks, some second round picks. You could get Chris Middleton, who is or will be a free agent, but you have his bird rights. You could get uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who's uh, young in, in NBA terms, uh, NBA service years player, but he's an older player um, who's, a, who's a good player um, in that deal. And then it would be interesting for me as a basketball fan to see AD and Giannis playing together. Then you get them in the East, uh, you get him in the East, and you also send him to another small market. But it's a situation where he's paired with another mega star. Um, so he might not want to leave. And then he has another Kentucky guy in Bledsoe and they have Brooke Lopez as a stretch five, you know, it's kind of a cool situation basketball wise. Um, but I would be looking for things like that, where I get a mix of guys that would fit well with uh, Drew and maybe Miritich, but then also still have, you know, picks coming in the future or picks this year and, or uh, a couple of young prospects that could be hits and I would still try to flip other pieces for younger gambles, you know, whether it's uh, Frankie Smokes in New York or Dennis Smith in uh, Dallas or, or Markel Fultz in Philly. You know, get a, get a player like that that a team's uh, trying to give up on for really cheap right now because there would be no pressure for them. You could bring them along slowly. Um, those are the kind of things I'd be looking for. I definitely want something that I could field and, and have a fan base entertained by. Um, but I also want some future, you know, some sense of rebuilding also a chance right. to hit, hit a home run, I guess I should say. Okay. Uh, these are my questions from, uh, Berlin Pelican asked about, uh, Draymond Green and Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is a free agent as you guys know. So no sense the Pelicans would get involved in that deal. Travis Milton is asking about the Pelicans offloading Nicole Meritich and Julius Randle for first round picks. I think that's unlikely because they aren't expiring. You're just basically getting a 30 game rental. Although you do get Nicola Meritich's bird rights. However, the Pelicans might be able to obtain first round picks for these players. If they take in salary, David fish, would you be willing to take in salary, uh, say, a la, I don't know, uh, uh, Hardaway, Ian Mahimney, in order to get first-round picks in return for these players? I, I, I would because I don't think, I don't think salary cap space next year is going to be hard to find. I mean, if, if, if you feel like the Pelicans are eventually going to be offloading Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, which is what they should be doing, um, you know, they're going to offload somewhere, what, 50, $55 million. I don't have the cap sheet in front of me right now. So the Pelicans aren't, the Pelicans reaching the salary floor next year should be an actual concern for the organization. Um, and that'll be something that they'll do eventually, hopefully as they take on more bad contracts for draft picks throughout the summer after they've opened up a lot of space. So if, if they take on a bad contract or two to, um, offload Miritich or Randall and get another mid to late first round pick realistically. I mean, the team that's going to be doing that is probably going to be a team that is in playoff contention. Um, that would still be worth it. I mean, that's one of the errors of the Dell Demps era is they were, they didn't want to take on money when they were at the trade deadline and they were out of the playoffs when Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson were pending free agents. So they didn't get any assets for those guys and they just walked. And they got cap space for it, and they turned it into Solomon Hill and Etuan Moore. So, yes, please get the problem with the Pelicans up to this point is that they don't have enough cheap players who are two, three, four-year guys on rookie contracts making 
pennies compared to what they're going to be worth. And so the team doesn't have the depth and the team doesn't have depth so that when an injury happens, it's catastrophic. Whereas a team that's built through the draft, like say, I don't know, the Denver Nuggets who have been the most injured team in the entire league this season somehow still are second in the West because they have depth, because they have a lot of quality, cheap players. And the way that you get over, oh, the Pelicans have such bad luck is have more good players. And the way you get more good players is you need more picks because you just need more, you need more swings of the ax at the draft so that hopefully, you know, your 40 or 35% success rate gets you the guys. So uh, Nicola Meritich, Julius Randle, and Etuan Moore were all made available uh, per Zach Lowe. Andrew Lopez just tweeted that out. Uh, let's go over to Grub. This one's from Tejeda. This is a good question. He says, Grub, have you entertained the thought that Pelicans might be in the best position in the history of its franchise after trading AD? Uh, Kevin, why don't you take that one for us? Do you think that the Pelicans actually might be in a really wonderful situation right now? Well, I think it, it's never wonderful when you're giving up, uh, you know, a top five player in the league um, is asking out of your organization. But it is better than we were yesterday because we know what he wants that that cloud is lifted above off our shoulders over our heads um, is gone there's not this heaviness hanging over the organization now you look forward um and uh you know a guy like that is going to get is going to land you a haul now you need the right person to make that deal and make sure you get the best haul you can the right haul for your situation um like i said i don't necessarily think the right Paul is just a bunch of young players are a bunch of draft picks because of the situation of the, of the basketball culture and environment and city that we live in. Um, you know, there's some nuance there that you have to figure out. You have to find a balance between entertaining and tanking and, and those sort of things. Um, but I think, uh, you know, obviously we have parts to sell off. So in theory, you know, you could come back with a bunch of arms, you know, a bunch of weapons to, to build a team with, because especially as you just noted that Andrew Lopez tweeted out that Zach Lowe said that they're making Miritich, Randall, and Etuan Moore all available. So you might get a bunch of assets uh, coming up that you can, that the next guy can come in and build a team, hopefully from top down with a, with a real identity and a real structure going forward. Um, so there's things to be positive about, but obviously losing a talent like Anthony Davis is not something that we should be applauding, but it was something that we were all expecting and preparing for um, over the last few months. I think initially we thought we had a good chance of retaining him. Um, then, you know, I, I personally went into a little bit of denial thinking, you know, that he's, he just wants to be here. He doesn't want a big market. Uh, you know, he doesn't have that personality, but you know, the reality set in a few few weeks ago, maybe a month ago for me, and I was saw the writing on the wall and and now it's finally here and now we just can move on and uh not have to stress ourselves out about it and just be excited about um building a new team and having new people in here. Um you know, it's it's like uh when you get on two K if if every year your team's the same, uh it's not that interesting. It's like buying the same game over and over again. But if you have new characters, new players to, to play with and strategize with, it's a little bit more interesting and more fun. So there's that aspect to it, you know. Just nine months ago, the Pelicans uh, swept the Portland Trailblazers, and here we are with 30 games to play. And we're talking about tanking, Ali. And with that being said, 
are we going to see Trayvon Blewett anytime soon? I hope so. You know, I mean, you might as well start giving some of these younger guys a chance, right? I mean, what are you playing for? I know Alvin Gentry gave us that whole spiel, and we've kind of already talked about that. that he kind of just has to do that as a coach. You can't be selling zero hope when you still got 30, 32 games left on the season. You've still got Anthony Davis on your roster. You've got Drew Holiday, if you have any hopes and desires of keeping him, and he agrees to it, of being and remaining competitive, having something to play for. So you want to see at least some positive de- uh, developments, and that's definitely one. We've already seen what Julio Okafor has done, right? And it's been great to see that he's finally been given a role, albeit in injuries, when we had wanted to see him earlier in the year. But great, he's finally getting a chance. So let's see what else the rest of the roster can do, because that's what it's about now. Given the guys that are going to be here um, beyond the season, Frank Jackson, Julio Cork, Trayvon Blewett, add his name to the list. Why not? And in that time, uh, something that Dell Devs hasn't been terrible at, terrible at in the in the past, just two years ago, uh, took some flyers on some 10-day contracts, and some of those guys can be seen around the NBA like Wayne Selden and James Ennis. Uh, with some of these uh, offloaded players like Meritich, Julius Randle, there's going to be a lot of minutes made available, Kevin. And I don't know how keen the Pelicans are going to be to give that to Czech Diallo, Tim Frazier, Ian Clark, uh, Frazier and Clark more so than Diallo. Do you think the Pelicans might have an influx of talent via 10-day contracts coming in anytime soon? Yeah, sure. If they start moving parts off and they're getting picks back and not other players, then definitely they're going to you know, need to fill out the roster and also bring in some guys for some auditions uh, if they can. Um I mean, the thing is also going back to my the last question you asked me, it's like we the burden of expectation is gone. Like when we have this great player, you know, we expect this team to be a com- competing team. And it's extremely frustrating when when they're not, especially when you look at the parts that they have, you know, A.D., Drew, Miritich, Randall, you had Alfred Payton and Etwan Moore. Um, you expect this team to be better than they were and they should have been better than they were. And the Anthony Davis era should have been better than it was um, because of the talent that he has. Um, And that became extremely frustrating. Whereas those times at the end of the seasons where he was hurt and then we had like Tim Frazier, Luke Babbitt, James Ennis playing, everything was loose. It was kind of fun. Um, We weren't winning games. We went a game here and there, but we were competing and it's like, watching a team that's trying really hard and competing really hard um, and is exceeding expectations, even if the expectations were super low, can be a lot more entertaining than uh, watching a team that has high expectations for valid reasons and just has not been able to live up to them. And I think, you know, we're going to start to see that probably towards the end of the year, even if these guys, you know, I'm sure Alvin Gentry is going to still play these guys, but you're not going to get, the minute loads that they had, you know, you might see AD for 20 minutes a game, uh, 25 minutes a game instead of 35. Um, you know, those kind of things as we start to adjust to reality and start to let that um, pick gain more value. The Pelicans have a dangerous stretch coming up. They're already pretty much out of the, the playoff picture um, with just 22 wins on the season. It would take a miracle for them to get back involved. With that being said, uh, three consecutive victories over the Rockets, the Nuggets, and uh, 
the Spurs could very much uh, make things interesting again. It's been past the two-week timetable of Anthony Davis for that finger. Um, I can't even remember what kind of sprain it was called. Uh, but he should be back available to play sometime soon. Julius Randle should be back available to play sometime soon. However, you guys both mentioned earlier that the Pelicans will probably continue to hold these guys out in hopes of trading or you know, possibly being forced to trade with Anthony Davis. Do you think we'll see either Randall or Anthony Davis in the next week? In the next week. Wow. Um, I think there's probably a better chance of seeing Julius Randall, right? I mean, there's no reason to rush Anthony Davis back from that finger injury. When, like I said, there was that timetable given out two to four weeks instead of one to two. And of course, this whole medium scrum, if he plays, he's going to be put in front of reporters. And we've already seen how he doesn't want to do that by not agreeing to talk to us today. He's already had his representation talk on his behalf. So the best way for Anthony Davis to avoid the cameras is by not playing. And it would be even better if they could actually sit him out until the All-Star break. Because that means then he wouldn't have to go to the All-Star game. He could miss it to the same injury and not be faced by that pool of reporters. You know, That's not going to be a scrum AD's going to want to get into. So I could conceivably see him, even though I've heard also that he may be back in about a week, him not playing until at least until after the All-Star break. Um, Julius Randle, on the other hand, you kind of want him to get back on the court. No AD means he's going to post some numbers. Maybe there's a team or two out there that needs to have just a little bit more, um, get to see him one more time, you know, basically to agree to make that trade that they're thinking about making for him. So that's my hope. That's all I'm gearing towards, I think, Preston. And I know that that's what the front office is doing underneath the scenes after this news just got released. That They are indeed looking to move some of these guys for picks and stuff. So I think that's the biggest key. Anthony Davis doesn't need to prove his value of the league, but guys like Julius Randle may, so you hope that they'll get back on that court soon. Kevin, I mentioned earlier that the Pelicans made Meritich Randle and Etwan Moore available via trade over Saturday. Now I'm seeing that Chris Boussard says that Anthony Davis's trade request was in fact three days ago. So that puts them right around the San Antonio Spurs game that the Pelicans lost 126 to 114. And it didn't really appear that the Pelicans were all that distracted, even though many of them probably knew uh, what kind of news was incoming. Kevin, what does that tell you about the on-court product that the Pelicans fans should expect over the next three months i mean i think as long as drew holiday's playing you're going to see effort from him that's not been a problem for him uh in these situations um you know i don't know how it's going to affect the other guys uh i mean but like david grubb said we don't you know we don't really have to try to tank i mean we're not been a good team so i think you know we're going to rack up losses regardless some guys might play looser because they're not so concerned anymore. There's not like this pressure of, um, of trying to save the face of the franchise. But I think a lot of these guys probably knew even before the announcement was made to them privately that this was what was going to happen. Um, so, but like we talked about on the last pod, that was one of the things that was so frustrating about this season is the lack of urgency. Um, and, you know, it kept carrying through, uh, you know, oh, we have time to correct this. We have time to correct this. Um, and, and they never did correct it. Um, so, you know, I don't I don't really know what to expect. I know what to expect from Drew Holiday as intensity as always. Um, other than that, it's a crapshoot. I mean, I think if those guys that are in trade talks want to get traded, you're going to see them trying to get numbers and try to get themselves uh, to a, a situation that they want to go to. Um, I think, you know, Randall's a guy that I think he's 
I would be calling Philly every day to try to trade Randall there because their bench is real thin. And Jimmy Butler likes really hard workers. Julius Randall has his flaws, but effort and hard working is not one of those. Uh, you know, it's not, I mean, working hard is not a flaw of his. He's a hard worker. You see how he reshaped his body. I think they would gel. And also, Jimmy Butler has that attitude to keep him in check um, when he's deviating from the offense or or not playing defense to get him in the right spot where we didn't have that vocal leader. I think that might be a good situation for him to come in and help out as a bench scorer. Um, so I'd be calling them every day for sure. Um, Miritich, I would still kind of like to hold on to him. I think Miritich could possibly net a first round pick disagreeing with what you said earlier. I don't think Randall can because of the situation where it's going to be hard to bring him back, but you get Miritich's bird rights. And if he's in a good situation, he probably will stay there because um, I don't think he's a guy that wants to keep moving around. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's 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 really hard to predict, but I, I think it's going to be a lot of the status quo that we've seen um, waves of ineptitude, waves of great play, um, but solid, consistent defense and effort from Drew Holiday is the only thing you can really count on. All right, uh, this is a statement from Adrian Wojnarowski. He said, New Orleans statement to ESPN on Anthony Davis. This past weekend, Anthony Davis representatives informed us that Anthony does not wish to sign a contract extension with our team and subsequently has requested a trade. Although we are disappointed in this decision, our organization's top priority is to bring an NBA championship to our city and fans build our team for long-term success. Relative to specific talks of a trade, we will do this on our timeline, one that uh, makes sense for our team, and it will not be dictated by those outside. Um, and that's kind of where he ended it. So uh, not a complete thought by any means, but uh, this is a story that's going to continue to grow. But New Orleans Pelicans have basically come out, Ollie, and they've said that they're going to do this when they're good and ready, uh, not giving us a timetable on when to expect Anthony Davis to be moved. Are you surprised? No, this is what we've been saying, right? Most of us on this podcast, that Anthony Davis is not likely to be traded before the trade deadline, you know? I mean, that's exactly what this speaks to, in my opinion. And uh, it says a lot of other things. Um, the fact that, you know, it's interesting that they're still putting this out there when there's so much turmoil around the idea. Everybody knows how precarious everybody's situation is. Alvin Gentry, Dell Demps. The fact that they didn't decide to announce it today uh, along with this statement, everybody thought they might, considering how long it took them to issue this statement. But the fact that it's not included, that you know somebody's getting fired today, this further proves the point that I think everybody is going to finish the season together. I mean, let's face it, we're we're in now for a couple more months of this, whether it's going to be misery, whatever. But fact is, everybody's making it to that finish line, which is this season. And like I said, I think that's a good thing. You can't rush a rebuild, both in trade and with building. Uh, rebuilding your hierarchy uh, on the fly. So to me, this is all good news. Uh, this is also from Woj. You said the Pelicans want the league to strictly enforce the tampering rules as they deal with AD's trade request. That's per Woj. Um, Kevin, still no indications as to what the Pelicans plan to do in regards to general manager Dell Demps, but this information is going to continue to come out and we'll keep you guys abreast of the situation Kevin, just taking a step back, this has been a whirlwind of a day. I, I think we all expected that this was going to come. However, we didn't expect it to come today. Uh, what do you think prompted this announcement? And and what do you make of the NBA landscape and, and how this news has just exploded across the, the landscape of it? Well, I think 
one thing is the team's in a bad situation. And I think Anthony Davis realized that this team was probably going to trade a first round pick to try to get a piece next to him. And I feel like he felt like he owed that to the city. I think it also tied in perfectly to him being injured so he can avoid the press for a little while, you know, team up with it, get his team together, create uh, talking points and statements for him to say, because look, let's face it. He's not a, a, a guy who talks a lot or says anything very interesting hardly ever, you know, he just not a strong personality off the court. Um, so, you know, it gives them time to, to put those pieces in motion to, to make his image the best as possible. Now he looks like he really helped the team out by not allowing them to sacrifice the future to try to build around him when he knew he was going to leave anyway. Um, so there's that aspect to it. Um, and then also, I just think, you know, that's probably growing frustration with him. Um, you know, it's a situation where he's been injured throughout his career, misdiagnosed on injuries before. I mean, Ali and I were talking about this off the air. Uh, the fact that this team brought back John Ishup, I still cannot wrap my head around it. I mean, maybe that guy is actually good at his job and he's had very bad luck, but it just seems like everything he does is always a misdiagnosis and a step backwards for every player he touches. And it wasn't just here because when he went to Detroit, I remember hearing Duncan Smith complaining about him all the time and his misdiagnoses and, you know, something that was supposed to be a one week or two week injuries turned into six weeks, multiple surgeries, these kind of things. So, um, you know, he, there he is injured saying it's a one to two week timeline, then it stretches to a four week again, uh, you know, and this guy's still around him. Um, it This is purely speculation on my part, but for me as an outsider looking at this team and seeing this guy's track record with the team and the fact that they brought him back is just unbelievable to me. And it's one of the most questionable things of this season, honestly. Um, and I think it might have factored into the, the, the announcement of this and the fact that he was injured and all those other things combined, um, you know, it just blew up today. And, and I think that's uh, why it happened. It was terrible timing for me because I have a friend in from, out of town who's well from out of the country who's from Sri Lanka and when I go to visit him he treats me like a king takes me everywhere and then like today it's like it's his last day in town and I'm like trying to work around help being a great uh, host for him and then dealing with all this stuff too so I wish he would have waited a day but oh well you know I'm glad it's uh, out there and uh, that we can move forward now. Ali, do you have any regrets that the Pelicans didn't make some kind of blockbuster move acquiring someone like an auto porter? Are are you are you disappointed that a move wasn't made a month, two month ago, two months ago to try to salvage this season? Yes. Because I think Anthony Davis was came into the season more committed than most people think. I mean, you've got Jordan Crawford out there tweeting my dog was looking for every reason to stay to. And that's all I really heard. You know, AD actually came in the season. That's why I think we defended his rationale for joining clutch sports and and why I heard it was all legitimate. But I think that just started changing. The injuries hit, the losing started. And my guess is sometime, I know Fisher said it was maybe a couple weeks ago in his mind that AD kind of tuned down, was ready to move on. But I think it was more closer to the start of December. So yeah, I think if you could have gotten to him and saved him before then, and, and let's face it, guys, we saw the holes. We talked about Tim Frazier. You know, the team needing to rely on a legitimate point guard. Drew Holiday asking, move me off the ball. And the team, Gel Demps, the front office, did nothing. And you almost don't care what the cost was back then because if there was still a chance of saving Anthony Davis, then you do it, right? 
but they didn't do anything. And, and even bringing just these small pieces, just t- tweak something, right? Throw something on the wall and see if it sticks, but they didn't do it. So yeah, I do have regrets about that, but there's no reason to look back on it now, really. It's just really another nail in the coffin of this front office in Dell Demps. They did not react appropriately. And I'm not the only one saying this. Scott Kushner of The Advocate, he just wrote something similarly in his latest column uh, from a couple of days ago. So, you know, it's out there. I mean, it's out there. This front office has failed around Anthony Davis time and again. This is just another example. Kevin, what do you think the odds are that the Pelicans uh, double down against what everyone's been saying and they say take on Thomas Sadoransky and Ian Mahimney for Salmon Hill or Darius Miller and try to take a run at salvaging this season and winning enough games to possibly change Anthony Davis' mind? Uh, I don't think there's zero chance that that happens. I don't think they would allow Dell Demps to do something like that where he would take on uh, you know, a big salary like Jan Mahimi. Um, it's a bad contract. And you just leave. You're just leaving junk for the next guy that comes in to have to deal with. Um, so I don't see any any universe where that is allowed. All right. Well, we'll always have the Portland Trailblazer series. Uh, before we get to our parting shots, just a reminder, you guys, uh, please retweet us, uh, like us on iTunes, uh, drop us a comment if you don't mind. We really appreciate all of your help spreading the word here. Uh, of course, we represent the Bird Rights. You've been listening to the Bird Calls podcast. You can follow our guys at DM Grub, at uh, Fisher TBW. I can't even remember what his uh, call sign is. I'll look it up while I find at Ali Cosell, at Kevin B for Bounce. Before we go, obviously, we're going to have a lot of coverage on this, Ali. What do you think we've got coming up first on thebirdrights.com in regards to this story? Oh, I don't know. I need to write something because I've been itching to write. I've got 20 million ideas in my head. But I think I just want to write about how we move on from here. I mean, I could point to where Anthony Davis turned south, you know, where I kind of got the gut feeling that he was really headed out the door before to, uh, this announcement. But I think it's best just to move on, you know, because that, that, that's what we're going to have here in weeks, maybe in a few months' time. So just just make sure that the New Orleans Pelicans front office, which it sounds like they're going to do, they're going to move uh, the players of value for value for future assets. And that's what I think the focus should be on. What can they get? What are some viable trade options? So I'm going to be looking at maybe writing something like that. All right, and we'll keep you guys posted on any trades that do happen. We'll uh, we'll make sure to get back together. By the way, fish is fish underscore TBW. Uh, Kevin... What do you make of all this? This this all happened really quickly. Uh, I understand you just answered the questions about how this will affect your social life. But going forward, there's going to be a lot of change in the next two weeks in New Orleans. Uh, and there, like Fish said, there's probably going to be some cheaper tickets available. Do you think people continue turning out for these games over the course of the season? Uh, I mean, I would say I'm not sure if they will. But what I would say to them is like, look. We have one of the greatest basketball players of all time in the city right now. We know there's a timeline on that. We know he's gone now. So take the time to go see him while you can, because you will regret not being able to watch him. I know it hurts. I know you're going to be upset when he's playing for another team, but he's here now and you can go see him do amazing things up close and personal for very cheap right now. So you should take advantage of that, even though you know it's going to be over. That's it for now. Uh, great job, Kevin. Great job, Ali. Thank you to our guests, David Grubb and David Fisher as well. I'm Preston Ellis. You can follow me at Preston Ellis. A difficult uh, day for many of us, uh, a sobering day, and to some, like Ali, a relief because this is something we've been anticipating and fearing all season long. We've heard all the speculation all season long. Finally, it's coming to its inevitable conclusion. 
And finally, we're going to get what everybody's been yearning for all season long, and that is simply a fresh start. So still a lot to to be thankful for, a lot to look forward to. There's going to be a lot of changes, a lot of sweeping across airline drive, and we're going to keep you guys updated. So remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, and as always, check back to thebirdrights.com. For now, we've got some important games coming up over the next week. I mentioned uh, the Rockets the Nuggets, the Spurs. Uh, Make sure you guys turn out for these games. Like Kevin said, this might be the last opportunity you get to see some of these guys. So go on out there. Give them your support. For now, let's go Pels. Thank you for listening to the Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Say Metro by T-Mobile, got the best deal in wireless, and it's all for you, all for me. Just switch quickly, because Metro has two lines for 80, and two Samsung Galaxy J7 Star phones for free, plus Amazon Prime included. That's the way wireless should be, only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However... When an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life.